How many know that the fruitful life comes out of God's work of righteousness in us? Amen? And being surrendered to his work in us is a big part of being a fruitful limb. All right? You see people putting their hands up in church. You go, what's that all about? Well, that's a sign of surrender, isn't it? Throw your hands up. You know, a surrendered heart is what God's really looking for. You know, it's not just a hand up. It's actually a surrendered heart. That's what he's after. And... Um, and we should press in for that. It's a condition of the heart that we should seek. You know, Paul prays a great prayer um, over there in Philippians. And we're going to have a look at that. In the book of uh, Philippians in chapter 1 and uh, verse 9. It's, uh, it's one that we can also personalise and pray. And there's some great, great scriptures uh, and prayers prayed by the Apostle Paul and and uh, those um, those early apostles that, that we can just quickly turn into a personal prayer for ourselves and pray it out over our lives and over our loved ones. And uh, it's so important to do that. Philippians chapter um, uh, 1 and verse 9 to 11, it says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Verse 10, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offence, Till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. We're going to be hearing a little bit about the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, in our last series, and you have to go back to it, it was a, getting on now a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago. In our last series, we looked at the letter of Paul to the Galatians church, where he outlines the fruit of the Spirit. And the outcome of our, our renewed spirit, that character that we carry within us, that we need to have on the outside, you know, uh, where Jesus shines in our life. It's, it's, it's contrasted in Galatians against the works of the flesh. We see the contrast between, you know, the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh. And, um, and hopefully the takeaway for everyone that heard that teaching is that we would all determine to be like Jesus, to manifest that fruit in our lives. You know, and it's a discipline sometimes, isn't it? You know, you want to, you know, get angry or something, kick the cat, you know, and, you know, sort of get 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 out of control. And, and the Lord says, no, you, you know, be long-suffering. You know, be patient. You know, God calls us to that. And, uh, and of course, that characteristic is within us to come out, and we should, we should pursue that, manifest the characteristics in our life. That's the fruit of righteousness. Amen? You know, our right standing with God, you know, to have the fruit of the Spirit on display at all times, walking in the Spirit, not walking in the flesh. I, um, I termed it what we used to call fleshy flings. I had a good friend of mine uh, uh, just recently, one of our, our church folk here, who, who uh, said that he called it the, the, the fling of the flesh. And I said, no, no, it's a fleshy fling. <laughs> he says, oh, well, we're calling it the fling of the flesh. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, so we, we had a bit of a giggle about that. But uh, incidentally, um, and that's our good friend uh, uh, Paul and Tash Jones. And I might just mention that Paul's had another good report uh, as he's come back from um, uh, his test down there. And, uh, and this time the specialists are saying, we want to see you. This is weird that you're still getting an all clear on your tests. 
and uh, they want to actually sit him down and ask him why that is. And uh, the thing is, what he doesn't know, <laughs> what the doctors don't know, is, is that he's a praying man now, and uh, and that he's believing God, and uh, and of course staving off sickness and disease, and and uh, we're going to give him, you know, give the Lord all the glory uh, in that, and uh, praise the Lord. And of course, just on that subject too, uh, it's a bit of a testimony because uh, uh, they brought an a. Uh, auntie uh, to church a couple of weeks back, a few weeks back, and this dear lady was uh, uh, having some trouble uh, with domestic violence uh, in her daughter's uh, household and, uh, and, and came down, uh, not necessarily a church guy, but came down to get prayer and uh, he, he uh, brought his auntie down and of course uh, we prayed with her over that situation and she rang uh, two nights ago, I believe, to tell him that she had managed to go up, get the get the uh, the daughter and the children out of that situation, secreted away into a uh, a, a caravan. And they had a flight out of town the next day, where they could be free of that situation. And and apparently that's something that had been wanting to happen for ten years. And uh, you know, just glory to God, you know. And that uh, she called back to say that was answered prayer. Because we prayed that with her on a Sunday morning uh, here down at the altar. And of course, you know, God's at work. You know, we just need to be those praying ones that actually get God on the job, you know, because we prayed. You know, the Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, you know. So we have to be praying. We have to be, be about the business of the kingdom and uh, and God being glorified. So, so um what we're um, uh, getting onto is, I guess, really the whole key of fruitfulness, being a fruitful believer, and um, and of course, uh, 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 seeing those fruits of righteousness in our lives. You know, to to um, uh, see Jesus uh, on his way. It, he's just been to the Last Supper, and of course, he's making his way with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you're not familiar with it, that was the place where the soldiers came and took him away, and he would then be crucified after that. And it's this this journey that I want to talk about, this journey from the, the place of the Last Supper and then coming down into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus knew he had to be because he was going to be crucified. And, uh, and that was not a cup that was gonna, he was going to pass by. He was going to fulfill that call uh, of the Lord. And, and in that discussion, we have John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16 is what's called the Gethsemane uh, uh, Discourse. And uh, Jesus is walking with his disciples, he's talking as he's going, and they're covering these things that are captured in John 14, 15, and 16. And I encourage you, read those, you know. It's so much of it is about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So much of it is about, you know, that relationship that we now enjoy because Jesus rose from the dead and sent the Holy Spirit. And we can know God in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This passage, which is obviously a part of that discourse in John chapter 15, was one of those teachings that Jesus gave. And um, that tells us that if we're wanting to be fruitful Christians, we have to abide in him. That's the, uh, a key for us today. Let's just look at this vine that Jesus speaks of. Um, in John chapter 15, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. You know, I like the way... Uh, the description of the vine, uh, that the father is the vine dresser. I like that part. That means that if we're on the vine, 
no matter what bunch of grapes we might be sitting within, uh, God the Father is tending to us. That's if you're in a bunch of grapes, you know, if you're uh, on the vine. He is the one that we're in relationship with. And I can say that God is in control. You know, we have to have that surrender to make that complete, but God is in control. That surrender that I'm talking about, that we should all give, where, where it's not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my purposes that are foremost, but your purposes, Lord. What are they? And we begin to surrender and give our lives over and say, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about retirement and having that caravan and that 200 series. You know, up here, that seems, we see so much of that. You know, the brand new 200, now we're seeing 300 series, brand new, no dust on it, but it's up here already, you know, with a caravan, you know, which probably cost 80,000, you know, and uh, super's gone. <laughs> but we see that, you know, and our lives should be about his purposes, you know. Nothing wrong with having those things as long as those things don't have you. That's what we teach. That's what we preach. You can have those things as long as those things don't have you. Amen. You know, Jesus tells us that he is the true vine and that there is only one true vine and we need to get a hold of that. The inference is, by saying that he's the true vine, the inference is that that there are false vines and you can find them. They're out there. And bump, out, bump into people down the street who believe that they're on a vine, but it's a false vine. It's not the the, the true vine. You know, the you know the, the thing that we need to also understand that God the Father is not tending those vines. He's not in control. And and that's the scary part. You know, this is a key truth because if we go out into the world and find religions that even include Jesus, they mention Jesus. Jesus gets a mention in their religions. They either give Jesus standing as a prophet or some great teacher, one of the enlightened ones, but there's others that were enlightened and uh, someone that you can listen to. But what they don't believe is that Jesus was God in the flesh. They don't believe that. And that he died for our sins and rose from the dead. Those are the things that they do not believe, do not understand. So here is Jesus walking uh, to Gethsemane with his disciples and he is literally a few days away from his bodily resurrection. From the grave, you know. And, and, and he's making sure his disciples know that he is the vine. He's the true vine and there's not another. Praise the Lord. Tell me something. There's a question. How do we get someone onto the vine? Share the gospel with them. That's one good answer. But I believe it begins by prayer. You know, how we get, how we get someone on the vine is by praying for them. So I don't know how to approach them. Pray. I don't know how. I don't know if they'll listen. Just pray. I don't know. I don't know if they have enough. Just pray. Whatever you don't know about, just pray for them. Because that's the thing that's going to make the difference in that person's life is when you start praying. I believe I'm here today because someone prayed for me. Just this morning in the prayer room, we're just, we're just sharing a little bit this morning. And Pastor Jess shared a testimony. And there's facets of her testimony I still haven't heard. But, you know, she shared her testimony. And I figure there must have been someone praying for you. 
And now I think I've met her. I believe it was a praying grandmother. <laughs> and we say that praying grandmothers, boy, you, they're powerful. They are tough in the, you know, the kingdom of heaven. If you've got a praying grandmother praying for you, you better watch out. <laughs> Things are going to change sooner or later. Because those praying grandmothers, they just get a hold of God and they're just not going to let go until they've seen their, you know, their kids' kids saved as well, you know. And I, I love that. I love that bit about prayer, you know, is, is that once we lock in, you know, our faith continues to go out to work every day. Once we pray, our faith is just working and working and working at seeing lives changed and touched. Amen. You know, praying for others to come to Jesus and be saved is such an important work and labour for us all. What you feel your calling is, it will always involve praying others onto the vine. Being that interceding Christian, consistently praying for the salvation of family, friends, the people we meet, the people in our community. You know, uh, don't leave this work to others. You know, don't leave it to others to be the praying ones. You know, the people that come here in the morning and pray at quarter to five, what's wrong with them? You know, <laughs> don't think that, you know, what's wrong with us is we found out that prayer works. That's what we found out. That's what, what that's what's made the difference. And I tell you, it's a job that we all have, you know. So come on, church. It is about bringing in the sheaves, you know, bringing in the sheaves. Isn't that a song? Yeah, it's a good song, too. And it says that we will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves, you know. And that's all of us. And we should remind ourselves that when we pray the prayer of salvation, and when you do or if you get to do uh, to pray the prayer of salvation, uh, we need to ensure that Jesus is the focus of that person's faith at that moment. Because he's the vine. He's the true vine. And there's none other. And what they are believing as they repent of their, of their unbelief in Jesus it's that Jesus died for their sins and that he rose from the dead for their justification. You know, that's why they, they must pray the prayer of salvation. That's, you know, the thing they need to speak. You know, the thing they need to confess uh, is everything in relation to uh, Jesus having risen from the dead. That is the point when our belief is lifted up, when we believe that. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans highlights that, that righteousness of faith that speaks. He calls it the word of faith, believe it or not. And, um, you know, that's important for us to see. And I just want us to look at that just briefly as we go on this morning. In um, Romans 10, verse 8 to 12, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And there we were thinking it was some doctrine that some American preacher you know came up with over in the states this word of faith but Paul said we preach the word of faith which is what that is this is it that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead the Bible says you'll be saved that is such good news for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is over all, 
uh, over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that word saved, just in case you don't know, is a Greek word. It's called sozo. And what that means is to be made every bit whole. And I found out, I found out some time ago that's a process. Sometimes it's not instantaneous, but it's a process and you just need to keep on with it. Keep on working out your salvation, you know, walking on in it because he's making us whole. He's at work in our lives, fixing things, touching things, moving things, shifting things. He keeps working, making us whole. You know, we just got to keep ourselves on his on his table, on his operating table, really. You know, that's the biggest part is to just stay put where he can work in our lives. What a clear message of salvation that Paul gives here. And uh, I like it. His understanding of how we are saved is in direct contrast to the righteousness of the law. Okay? Righteousness under the law is in direct uh, contrast to this. And just make a note how this is explained for us in verse 4 of the same chapter. And... uh, You know, it says there in Romans 10 verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's good news too, you know. Because it talks then about how how we live. We live free. Jess touched in on that so very well during the uh, communion message this morning. We were delivered, you know, and made free. And we now need to walk in that liberty and freedom, free from condemnation. Amen. So this is how we find ourselves on the true vine. It's through the word of faith. It's through our believing and our confession. And our new life on the true vine to Jesus should be with the realisation that God the Father is the vine dresser. He's the one that's looking after the vine. He's at work in your life and mine to bring forth fruitfulness in our lives. Fruitfulness. And, uh, you know, that's where we just start to produce, you know, for the kingdom. John 15 verse 1 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Don't forget that line. Jesus told it to his disciples as he was heading for the place that he was going to be. First of all, arrested and then taken and scourged and beaten and judged and and all uh, without deserving it. Amen. But he took our place. He died the death of the cross for us that we might live in this righteousness, that we might live in this new life. You know, we just need to submit to his will and his way for our lives. You know, the condition to avoid is fruitlessness. All right, fruitlessness. Jesus, he goes on and says that the fruitless branch is taken away. Get a little bit sombre. If I had someone up playing keyboard at the moment, it'd be, ooh, you know, that sombre note. Okay. We can only see that this is being the point in which unbelief takes over in a person's life. The point at which there's no longer any hope of fruit in a Christian's life. The point at which they have actually fallen away and the branch gets removed. That's the point of no repentance. Okay? Check it out for yourself. It's over there in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4. It's compelling reading where there is impossible to bring about repentance. This is the dead branch. Make sure you don't see this as a picture of the Christian who just struggles with sin, just walking through, trying to get over, trying to overcome. But this is fruitlessness of a dying branch. It is God the Father that has the pruning shears. He's the vine dresser, remember? 
You know, the judgmental Christian does not get to do the pruning. <laughs> Sorry, putting some people out of work. The judgmental Christian doesn't get to do the pruning or removing of the branches. That's the vine dresser's job. Amen? Amen. Let's see that over in John, uh, again, just in uh, John 15, verse 2 to 3. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Amen. There's that word that, you know, uh, brings life. We're already clean by that. We're already being made whole by that. And being fruitful avoids removal from the vine. And we should all see that the fruitful Christian still experiences the pruning shears. All right, let's talk about the pruning shears for a little bit. But note that it's so we can bring forth more fruit. It's so we can continue being fruitful and keep bringing more fruit. You know, the season of God's vine dressings are all about him maximising our fruitfulness. His tender and loving trims in our lives are so we can bear even more fruit. So the question is, what is the pruning of the Lord and what does that feel like? Ouch. Could be a bit of an ouch, you know. You get receive a little chastisement from the Lord, a little correction. I don't know about you, but my Bible says that if I'm without chastisement, I'm illegitimate. So in other words, just being ready for some correction from the Lord is a good thing. Ready to receive, you know, don't do that. A little bit of a stern word from the Lord never hurt anyone. You know, don't be one of those Christians that say, oh, God only loves. You know, no, he has tough love too. You know, he'll come and just give you a little clip and let you know that there's some things not quite right. You need to correct this and correct that, you know. Yeah, well, you know, discipline true. And the fact that, you know, what the word disciples means is disciplined ones. You know, we've been disciplined by the Lord, you know. Sometimes his pruning comes because we reach the end of a season. And I just want to touch in on this as a particular one. Seasonal transition. Now, this is a transitional church. We see in this church people coming and going. It's a transitional town. And I tell you, we ought to be writing books on transition because (laughs) we see it so much. But I want to talk just a little bit about transition from my own perspective and just transitions that we've had uh, in our Christian life as we've, as we've served the Lord and, and uh, followed him. A seasonal transition can be difficult, uh, a difficult time in the Lord. And um, usually it's because we are stuck in our own vision and he's wanting to give us his new vision. And the thing that's stopping us from getting new vision is our old vision. He's wanting us to walk by faith in our walk with him concerning the future and not by sight. Being busy serving God, you know, in one area, that's, you know, what you're familiar with. That area provides you with identity, a sense of security, what you're known for, serving the Lord in that particular area. And he wants us to grow in another area. And that's okay. You know, we need to give ourselves to that. It's those moments that he brings us again afresh to his fresh purpose at the expense of our 
purpose. The 200 series. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and, and of course, he brings us back to his will for our lives as being the most important part of our lives. Where, you know, we surrender to his will and not our own will. What we want, what we desire. Where it's his desires that are important to us. Amen? He brings us back to that. Which at times is the next thing. I just really want to talk about that. Um, Just in closing this morning, just a couple of points. A couple more scriptures, so hang in there with me. Another reason transition is not easy is because sometimes in that transition, the anointing on your life lifts off. Because that anointing is not going to be the thing that you walk in where you're going. And so it lifts off. And so next thing you know, we find things become hard. Why is that? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So when you're anointed, everything's easy. When that anointing lifts off your life, that, that capability, that gifting, it, it becomes hard. And some of you know what I'm talking about. For those that, you know, um, you know, we've got to say this, and, and <laughs> Rosemary and I talk about this sometimes, not everyone transitions well. This is the best way to put it, from our, from our point of observation. Not everybody transitions well to the next place, to the next well. Because that's it, you're going from one well to another. For some, it's messy. Uh, uh, some will fight it and, and, and dig their heels in. Some are confused by that transition season. And for those that are comfortable with the old, understand that the new is always going to be better. It's always better. But it's just that discomfort of leaving the old to walk in the new that we need to transition through. And, you know, I believe we should pray for one another as different ones go through transitioning, you know. Um, I'll give you an example. We were happily pastoring uh, in our 30s, which is a little while back. We were happily pastoring a church over there in country Queensland in the mid-90s and the very mention of us doing something else would have brought a look of unbelief from me. The thought of doing something other than what we were doing at that time. Um, I mean, we thought everything was just going so good, you know. Had our little kids, you know, our little kids there with us in church and church family and they loved it. We loved it, you know, having an impact on the township, we thought. And, um, and we thought we were there forever. <laughs> and it's going to be this good forever. You know, that's kind of how we were thinking. And, and um, church was growing. And yet the Lord came in with his pruning shears. I tell you, delicate as, tender, loving. And he came in with his pruning shears. The question is, why? It's because we could bring forth more fruit. That's Why? And, you know, we look back now and we can sort of see that season that he took us to and it was a more fruitful season. You know, there was just a, just a, an upward place. We were able to do more than what we could have done before. You know, preaching to Bible college students, seeing Bible college students go out and start works and going into other nations and went to many nations during that next season. You know, setting up Bible colleges and seeing students go and grow or grow and go and, and, uh, and go out and do works for God, you know. 
many nations. And, uh, and you know, that was why he brought in his pruning shears, is so we could bring forth more fruit. Amen? So don't be comfortable, you know. Don't work, watch out for comfortableness, because sometimes it can rob you of the next thing, you know. Always have that, well, just I'm just ready to lift up my eyes from the place where I am. Lord, what are you saying? What are you planning me? You know, what are you planning for the future? What are you preparing me for as I continue on in uh, uh, your commission for us? And, you know, the Lord, you know, began uh, ever so delicately the way he nudged us was uh, he brings Pastor Margaret over uh, a bless. Uh, I, I guess it would have been probably mid-90s and she came over for a couple of visits to our little country church there and we were so blessed that she came. And, um, and she so ever carefully raised... Uh, the idea, I think, probably around 90, 96, somewhere around there, and and uh, and uh, she she um, said, you know, just ever so quietly and over, just casually said, oh, Peter, I don't believe you'll be here forever, and uh, I immediately wanted to rebuke, you know, the thought of being, you know, doing something else or or not being here forever, and um, as the thing to resist, and of course. The Lord then spoke to us about transition. I'm so glad it just didn't come from a person, someone that you know we respected and admired, but it came it came from the Lord. The Lord spoke to us about transitioning out, and uh, went to a conference in 1997, and then it was public because the prophets came out. You know, we got called down for prayer, and the prophets just. You know, and you are going from this place and you're going to do this and you're going to be a trainer of trainers. And there was all these prophetic words that came out. and It was all very, very clear what was about to happen. So just understand, this is not uncharted territory, walking by faith. It's not uncharted. And, uh, you know, the Bible says Abraham left his family and what he was familiar with so he could bear fruit in what God was calling him to. John chapter um, uh, 15 in verse 4 says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. That's you trying to do it. We've got to abide in him so it's him that does it. Him that, you know, leads us into the next season. And look what it says, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So if you're transitioning, you know, your best place is in that place of his grace. Just draw, you know, just drawing near to him, getting close to him and saying, Lord, not my will be done. Those times of consecration, not what I want, Lord, but what you want. What is it that you want, Lord? And giving yourself to that. So important that, you know, we make sure that we're not only on the vine, but that we abide in him. And know his abiding presence within. His ability in our life is what makes the difference. We don't have what it takes to bear fruit by ourselves. To stop presenting you know, uh, what you can do to God. You know, stop presenting what you can do to God. Stop, stop doing that. Stop coming to God with your talents. You, you know, your own ability. He just needs you to be available. That's what he needs. You know, so wait on him. You know. It's him that makes us able ministers. And we have to press in for you know, his grace and his anointing. To abide in him. For some, giving up your own strivings and ambitions is the doorway to more fruitfulness. Amen? I'll say that again. Giving up your own strivings 
and ambition is the doorway to fruitfulness, bearing more fruit. John chapter 15 and verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Good to remind yourself sometimes. You know, uh, for those that, you know, you maybe pray with and and connect with on on that spiritual level, that's one thing that we should be reminding ourselves all the time, is that without him, we can do nothing. And Jesus said it on the way. He wanted to tell them, you guys, just remember, without me, you can do nothing. And I bet, you know, on that, on that, um, Easter morning, that first Easter morning when when he was gone, they'd seen that he'd been crucified. And they're going, well, we can't do nothing now because we're without him. Of course, they were about to get the revelation, weren't they? That he he hadn't, you know, he 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 was alive now. And bodily resurrection. He wants to pour in the new wine. That's really what we're getting to. But he can only, it can only happen... When the wine skin is renewed and ready for the new wine. The, you know, in other words, renew the wine skin first and he'll pour in the, in the new wine. You can't get it the other way around. Oh, I just want to have, well, I like what, I, what I've been doing and what I have and my gifts and my skills and all those things. So just pour the new wine in now. And he says, no, I'll have a new wine skin first. I'll start with a new wine skin. And that's our surrendered selves. That's a new you. That's just totally surrendered and saying god i want i want i want your new wine you know he wants to pour in that new wine and it can only happen when the wine skin is renewed and ready for the new wine wow last scripture mark 2 verse 22 it says and no one puts new wine into old wine skins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. What does that mean? It means we can't take the new anointing unless we're fully prepared. God prepares our hearts for what he wants to do next. We can't take it with the old wineskin. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But the new wine must be put into new wineskins. You know, this time of the year, uh, when the year starts to kind of wind down, uh, last term, school holidays just coming up. The next year's just around the corner. Holiday time starts and we start, you know, winding down for, for that little rest break at the end of the year. I want to encourage you to start offering the Lord 2023. Start giving him 2023 and saying, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Pray a prayer of consecration and say, Lord, I don't know what you have for me just now, but I know that you can show me. And start saying, Lord, I want what you want. I don't want to continue in what I want if I've been having too much of me. What do you want, Lord? Start to surrender afresh. You know, God's wanting to increase the fruitfulness on your life. And he always will want to do that. Amen? Amen. I might ask you to come now, Brenda. And I'm just going to ask Jen, just as we close, just to read that scripture. If you've got that scripture there in um, uh, Jeremiah, great little verse. Amen. Uh, so I was reading this this morning. God had me read this, and I shared it in the prayer room. And it's from Jeremiah 17, and it's verse 7 and 8. And it says, 
Blessed is the man who believes in, who trusts in and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads its roots by the river, and it shall not see and fear when heat comes, but its leaf shall be green. It shall not be anxious and full of care in the year of drought, and nor shall it cease yielding fruit. Don't you love that? As our roots go down, as we are planted in the Lord, as we are watered by the word, we won't be movable when the storms come, but we will be fruitful, God says. Amen? Thanks, Jen. You know, um, as we close now, as I say, we're having some fellowship shortly. I just want us to pray together. Why don't we just pray together around 2023 and and uh, we're going to dim the lights there and uh, and just have a little moment where we can um, and just pray and, and ask the Lord a blessing. Father, we again thank you, Lord. We thank you for this time together, Father. Lord, where your heart, Father God, has again been revealed to us, Lord, through your word and just through your presence here today, Lord God, we thank you that uh, you love us. Lord, that you want the best for us, Lord God. Lord, that um, uh, Jesus, you are the true vine. And Lord, Father God, you are the vine dresser. And Lord, we ask, Lord God, that you would work in our lives because we know what you want is more fruitfulness. Lord, you want to see increase in our lives, Father. You want to see us going on uh, for more of you and more of your kingdom, Father, on earth. <clears throat> and we have a part to play, Lord. And so we're excited, Lord, here this morning. And Lord, we, um, uh, as, as we close today, Lord God, consider... Consider 2023 as a year, Lord God, where, where um, Lord, you'll increase in our lives, Lord God. Your fruitfulness on our lives will increase. And Lord, we ask and consecrate afresh today, surrender to you and ask, Lord God, that you reveal and direct and guide, Lord God, the, the steps that we should take. Lord, your word says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Lord, you direct us and guide us into truth. And, Lord God, truth that's specific to us and ours, Lord God, our families, our children, Lord God. Lord, you care and look after every single one. So, Lord, we commit, Father God, this time. And, well, this this end of the year, Father God, is a time just to reflect and take more time to just sit with you and quietly wait and let you speak. And, Father, we, we, we raise up in expectation. We raise up in our faith at this time and in this season, Lord. Lord, that we might walk in all that you have for us in this coming year and in this time. Lord, we ask your blessing. And everybody said, Amen. In Jesus' name.